Happy Sunday. It's John Richards, a cut above horror review podcast. Yes, we're on episode number two. This week, it's Jacqueline's pick. We're talking about the Persian film called The Night from this past year. Find out what we thought about it. Uh, kind of a kind of a, a ghost story, if you will. We'll get more into it, but wait for it. Thank you so much for listening to a cut above horror review podcast. It starts right about meow. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to a cut above horror review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film The Night from 2021. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, Hale Heidelberg. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. <laughs> so Black Widow in the movie theater the other day. Wasn't bad. Oh, cool. It wasn't like the best like okay. first outing for Marvel since like the pandemic, but it was good to get in the movie theater and see something, so... And, yeah, uh, this was your Lawrence first movie theater Pugh experience Pugh? since the pandemic. You right? She was really good in it. You, she's awesome. Yeah, she was good. Cool, cool, um, awesome. Anything else going on interesting this week? Uh, some good food. Uh, I'm going camping next weekend. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. But I'll Where be are you back going? to record upstate New York, Roscoe. It's like by Cook Falls, or it's up there in the mountains. Oh, okay. It's pretty nice. I've been there once. All right. So everybody, everybody who's listening, go find Hyderberg in that place. <laughs> You're going to have all the I'll have a machete, so be careful. And my dog. You'll be fine. All right. Next up, let's say hello to John. How you doing, John? What's up, guys? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this freaking movie. Oh, no, not a bad thing, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. Hydroberg, I saw that footage that you posted up on Facebook, and that looked so damn. Del- Who cooked that? Oh, that was my girl. Oh, good for her. That looked. Yeah, that awesome, was some nail. Yeah, my girlfriend made that. It was really good with some uh, some plantains and some rice and beans, and I made a little salad. It was good. I wasn't hungry, but like when I saw that post on your Facebook, yeah. I just was like, "Yeah, I gotta eat." Right yeah, now. I forgot to say we played with. Played some mini golf today. They're pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I got it. Tug of and, ja- and Jacqueline, hello. And uh, your hair looks fantastic. Yeah, your way. hair does look. That's what I was trying to say when you first popped in. When we tried recording before. <laughs> yeah, the screw technology. Thank you. I've finally given over to the the necessity of the necessity of mom hair. So uh, I can't keep it long anymore. I don't. I don't have time to fix it, so I had to chop it all off. But thanks for the compliment, guys. It feels good to get some weight off my shoulders. It looks great. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you, fellows. Mm-hmm. So uh, we ready to get into this movie here tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Episode... So um, this was my pick. It is. Episode two. Two. Episode two. Uh, so... This movie, uh, if I may, do you guys mind if I uh, share a little personal story to kind of give some context to this choice? Please. Definitely. I'll try to keep it brief, but basically I was adopted as a very young child and I never knew anything about my biological father um, for various reasons. 
I knew some information about my mother who was, um, it wasn't until about eight years ago that I finally learned a little bit of information about him. I learned his name and I learned that he was from Iran. Another member of my family happened to have an address for him. So uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And um, about a year ago, I wrote him a letter to try to introduce myself to him. I didn't know if he even knew I existed. And I was hoping to learn more about who he is and where he came from and why he immigrated to the U.S. and all that kind of stuff. I think something about having children of my own finally made me want to to explore that side of my heritage, which I previously had really not put much thought into or really wanted to know about. Uh, So that was about a year ago that I wrote the letter and I never got a response, which is fine. I was like emotionally prepared for that. But it means that I am kind of striking out on my own to explore a little bit about Iranian culture. And for me, the easiest kind of entry points to learn about a culture are food, language, movies, literature, music, that kind of thing. Um, Farsi is a very difficult language, and I don't think I have the mental bandwidth to like embark on that right now. And so um, I read about this movie, The Night, in Rumor Magazine because they did a cover feature on Middle Eastern horror. And so um, I thought, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I'll give that a try. Again, to me, film is a good way to begin to explore a little bit about a culture. There's a, you know, film is a complex medium. You have a lot of different factors that go into it that tell you things about a culture. Um, there's not a lot of Iranian horror. Uh, besides this, I've only ever seen A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, but I, I kind of chose this just as a small way to um, make a little connection with my roots that I don't really have any knowledge about or not very much. Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I picked it. It's a newer movie. And so I thought it would be relevant to talk about. So that's, that's more or less the. That's awesome. So what did you guys think about this movie? First impressions? I was pretty, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I, I was, uh, I was expecting like just all uh, foreign language, but it wasn't. Then I realized like, oh, I didn't, you know, they're in the U.S., so it was sort of just like a take on an Iranian couple, which is nice. Yeah. Before you got on, <clears throat> we, uh, Hydroberg and I, I talked about that. Obviously, this was in Southern California because you saw palm trees in the background. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always a sucker for a slow burn, you know, and that that that's like most found footage movies. And this wasn't that, you know, this is a this was kind of a you know a haunted house. Uh, social commentary on guilt of life yeah. that mm-hmm. that we've all done things in our lives that that have really you know maybe maybe that that we've hidden in our past you know and especially with somebody that you're connected to or married to or have a relationship with is that you've hidden things and they come out and it, it, it's kind of forced to come out without spoiling anything so for me, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was kind of, it, it, it kept me intrigued the whole way through. I wasn't bored because it, I understand the slow burn, you know, and we had talked about our first episode of, you know, as we get older, we're kind of jaded as far as when it comes to horror movies and scares and stuff like that. You know, you were a little hesitant around it, but I think for me, I don't necessarily maybe there was one jump scare for me but it was just more of the the storyline kind of held 
and kept my interest the entire time. The atmosphere too. I like the hotel. Like oh yeah. Setup. And I, th- I, I think this movie yeah. paid, paid homage to a couple of things, you know, I, I guess we'll get into that. But yeah, do you get, for sure. Absolutely. Do you guys want some horror movie news real quick? Sure. Lay it uh, on me. Yeah. Any- oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Oh, don't Go worry ahead. about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, anybody- from the hip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody ready for another Pet Cemetery? No. Is it based on the actually, sequel? Yeah. I'm- the remake? No, it's not. It's actually going to be a prequel. Paramount Plus. They're actually making it. <laughs> yeah, they're making a, a, a prequel movie. Uh, Natalie Aylin Lynn. She was in Big Sky. and. Uh, uh, Is it about Zelda? Me- no, it's, uh, what, yeah, it's about it's Zelda like, and the origins of Zelda. I watched that one. From what I read, it's actually going to be part of that. But it's also Judd. Uh, Judd's going to be included on it. Uh, who who is the older guy in Pet Cemetery? Yeah. Uh, prequel. So basically, gotta watch that road there. <laughs> oh, don't go over there. That's that, that, that's <laughs> bad. Sometimes death is better. better than living. <laughs> Was that pretty good? Actually, production starts uh, this summer. The remake, this blew me away. The remake cost $21 million to make. It made $113 million at the box. That was actually pretty good. You thought thought the the remake was good? Wow. I didn't realize it had been that big of a success. That was. It was huge. Yeah, it makes sense. Who's a fan of? I thought it was mediocre. It wasn't terrible. I thought it was awful. I was just like, oh my God. Pet Cemetery, the original back in the late 80s. It was good. Uh, the remake? The actual um, movie itself, the original, it's a hot take. It's it's not like the best movie ever, to be honest, if you watch well, it. Like, some of the acting is like comical. Yeah. I, but the actual, like, the story is really good. And the, the little kid. I don't kid, think it's the best movie, but I think that. Uh, yeah. I think it has its charms. I think it's it has its of, charms. I like. I would give it a net positive it's one of, like, rating. It's not an all-time favorite, but it is too. true. It's what a lot of people say that that's one of their favorite stories of his, this Pet Cemetery of Stephen King's. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that yeah. a lot. Uh, uh, anybody? I've read get- the book, but people that I know who have read the book absolutely love it. Yeah. One of the few Stephen King novels I've actually read. Um, I God, I know, like going back in the day, I think I was in eighth grade and I read the <laughs> I read the novel and I was just like, this scared the shit out of me. Oh my God, this was this was good. Like the 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 book from Stephen King, and again, I'm not an avid reader, but I did read that from Stephen King and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read Gerald's had- game when I was younger and I didn't really know what was going on. A little young for the subject matter. Oh my god, that movie was coming on. into a certain age. Yeah, yeah, that one is that one has horror going for it, but also some no, exactly material as well. So <laughs> I don't know if that was <laughs> just real quick. I just want to apologize if my if my um, speech is like delayed or lagged for you guys. I feel like I'm having some technical difficulties here. Like I'm hearing a long delay between when you guys are responding to me so just fyi if i cut out or anything it's i think it's my internet no it's just you jacqueline that's all right (laughs) you got a case of the robots 
Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anybody a fan of Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. Well, he's got, a new, he's got a new movie coming out. It's, it's like his. What's it going to be? Directed by him, written. Uh-huh. It's called Nightmare Alley. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll tell you a few of the actors and actresses that are going to be a part of this. Uh, Bradley Cooper, ever heard of him? Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Oh, that uh, guy. Yeah, I think how I about know to- who he is. How about Tony Collette? Nice. Whoa. Willem Dafoe. Nah, I don't know. I've never heard of that guy. Yeah. Uh, coming out December third, and the plot synopsis is. Ooh. An ambitious oh, young carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. I hate carnies. Well, Bradley Cooper's playing it, so. I have small hands. I smell like cabbage. <laughs> I actually think that sounds really interesting. I smell like cabbage. <laughs> I love that you went there, Heidelberg. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. Uh, it, it looks good. It's coming out December 3rd. So, I mean, anything Guillermo del Toro is attached to, I'm, I'm totally on board with. Uh, American Horror Story spinoff. It's called American Horror Stories coming out this coming Friday on FX. The trailer's up online. Um, I guess it's an anthology. It's got so many actors to it. But, you know, I mean, if you're an American Horror Story fan, it's supposed to be like just spinoffs to different things. Like Danny Trejo plays an evil Santa. So, I'm in. You heard that? That was the horse, the dead <laughs> horse that they that they're killing by making that show stuff. I know. It's probably it's probably jumped the shark uh, too much, and then it's a uh, shame too because that show is there are elements of that show that are great. But oh, for sure! I feel like they killed it, and each season's way too drawn on, and Absolutely. it gets nonsensical towards the end. It's like I don't know why. Like a formula, though. but that's pretty much all. Like, oh, Richard Donner, uh, yeah, he absolutely, passed away. yeah, legendary director, passed away. He's yeah. been one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, passed passed away at the age of ninety one. So that's unfortunate, but yeah, big fan of Richard Donner. Well, those sound like that sounds like something I could get down with, mm-hmm. especially if it's an anthology. Mm-hmm. Do you like uh, American Horror Story, Jacqueline? Well, I think like almost everybody else it's a mixed i find it a mixed prefer over others but uh everybody seems to have differing opinions about that so um i don't know did you enjoy any of the seasons heidelberg yeah i did i like the first like four or five i've watched when jessica lang got out of there i sort of got out of there too it's not the same without her is it no not at all yeah well, let's get into this movie now. Hydroberg, are you ready to give us a reach around plot tonight? Absolutely. You guys ready? Lay it on us. All right. A young Iranian couple are on their way home from a night out with friends, run into a bit of bad luck and need a place to stay. They happen upon the Hotel Normandy. We come to find out things are not as they seem at the hotel, and neither are our guests. What secrets haunt this couple as they settle in for the night? Ooh. This is a very mysterious reach around. How's yeah. it going to end? <laughs> mysterious reach arounds are the best. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh-huh. Did, 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 this, this gave me a vibe of like, uh, and we did talk about American Horror Story in our uh, in our news, but 
you know, it kind of gave me just this, this creepy hotel slash, and I've brought this up before, but kind of shining too, because some of the shots. And uh, four, what was it, 1308 or 1408? What's that? 14, yeah, with, with Cusack and Sam, yeah. Samuel L. Hotel. Also, what was it, the, the Lodgers? I haven't seen that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we we watched that with the Straight Chilling crew. They did an episode on that. I remember oh. watching that. That had haunted hotel vibes. Okay. So my 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 thought about that is that I watched this movie twice, and the second time around, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't really think this is a haunted hotel movie. I think that the hotel, like the things that are happening to these people, wouldn't happen to just anybody who stopped into this hotel. I think the hotel is really like a representation of their psyche and it's their psyches that are really haunted. And so the problems that the things that they encounter are particular to them. I should throw out the spoiler. I should throw out the spoiler real quick is that this is your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about the night from 2021. If you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to find out what we had to say about it. Continue Jacqueline. I'm sorry. The opening saying, I feel like is important though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something about like uh, a multiverse. Multiple, yeah, multiverse. And only one universe. Okay, I'm one glad you wrote universe. that down. Yeah. I'm glad you wrote that down because I didn't remember it. <laughs> but it was something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so I, I thought about that a lot. And I I don't know how you guys felt about this, but I felt as soon as they kind of turned they decided on that hotel and turned down the little side street to, to mm. park the car. I felt something it's like changed. she was sketchy shit too. Yeah. And at that moment, she the wife says something like, um, you know, don't you want to go someplace with more people around? And he's like, what does it matter? And I feel like yeah. from that moment, it was almost like they were kind of in the twilight zone. Yeah. It, it felt different. Nothing was quite normal anymore. We no. didn't see any other normal people, like other guests or anything, just these sort of um sinister minor characters in some like various yeah. apparitions and uh and the funny thing is after that one remark where she says don't you want to go somewhere with more people they never again comment on how strange it is that there's nobody else in this hotel mm-hmm. i and know it's kind of like they just accept that things are it's almost like a dream state where you kind of don't question the fact that things are strange and we as viewers are kind of just expected to accept that this is how things are. You know, there's nobody else in this hotel. There's this creepy guy at the desk. It's very dark everywhere. And that's just how it is. That guy at the desk was very creepy. Yeah. And, and, and the thing with me is that, that okay, so the, the previously they were at this party at their friend's house, you know, obviously somewhere in Los Angeles. And, and, you know, none of those characters came into play until uh, the, the Freed, I think his name was. Um, he, he, you know, he was on the phone with the main character and that was it. But <laughs> the one thing that actually made me laugh was like the, the you know, the, the very melodramatic acting of the front desk guy and the cop. Just their voices. It was almost like they were dubbed. Mm-hmm. It was like they were, they were, you know, hello, this is what work I want to do. And the cop was like, all right, so here's <laughs> what is going on. Well, this I feel like the cop was meant to definitely seem that way. Yeah, but but I also the, the like, cop came uh, across very like David Lynch sort of movie it, dialogue. It was, but it was also just like, 
you see their mouth moving along with the dialogue. It just seemed like, you know, the director said, Hey, listen, I just need you to do my, the most, you know, semi Western European, you know, like, like you're on the verge of being British in Southern California. Uh, Give me that. And then, you know, it was almost like, you know, an overdub of a, of a Kung Fu movie with the cop. It was like, hello, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it felt that way. I think you guys are exactly right. I'll fight you. But I think you guys are exactly right. And that that's kind of one of the the things I'm talking about. It's, it doesn't like, it feels kind of unreal. Like Mm -hmm. the front desk guy and the cop, the way that I would expect either of those two no. behave. Breaking up. Um, and yeah, and so I think that sort of contributes to this dreamlike quality for them to act. Okay, hopefully my technical issues are smoothed out. No, sorry about that, guys. I'm on a different device, so hopefully I don't sound like a robot anymore. Anyway, uh, you guys had mentioned the characters of the police officer and the front desk guy in the hotel and how they seem like off or you know exaggerated or lynchian kind of and i totally agree with that that's one of the things that i'm referring to when i say that um things in the hotel just seem off but the both the characters and i think the audience are supposed to just kind of accept it and nobody really mentions it but i agree like the cop and the front desk guy don't quite act the way that you would expect them to like the cop seems annoyed from the get-go he's not helpful um the front desk concierge is going on some weird monologue about how he's been present for all these like global disasters. Yeah. It's like really inappropriate. And his speech is very bizarre. Um, so yeah, that's just one of many things that are very off here. And then there's the woman, the, the wife, the doppelganger that we see or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the doppelganger of the wife, and then, or and then could the police officer has a doppelganger too. Yeah, or they they could be from another time. With the saying, with like the multiverse and the true universe and the one universe, like yeah, they could be. I I I didn't gather that that was the wife. I gathered that that was. I thought it was the hooded thing disguising itself as somebody. No, I I, I thought it was the the do the main character's mistress because he never no no not that chick the one that ends up taking the baby for a minute and he leaves it downstairs with her goes upstairs yeah, but she didn't technically technically take him because she, the, the baby no, she was still downstairs there. yeah well the baby was I'm by not itself. you guys are talking about the same thing um John I think you're talking Heidelberg's about the other yeah John I think Hyderberg's talking about when he's down in the lobby and Netta is standing behind him and she's like, what are you doing down here? I'll take the baby. You go to bed. And but right before her- you see that, actually, John's right, though, because before you see that, you do see the reflection of the other girl. What's okay. her name? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I got I got that it was the wife that that had taken right. the baby because he, that he would just hand the baby to somebody else. Yeah, I get it. Right. Was but it wasn't really the wife. Yeah, but that exactly wasn't right. really. Um, yeah, I almost kind of want, maybe I'm totally off here, but I almost kind of wondered if the front desk guy and the cop and the doppelganger of the wife might be all the same 
entity that maybe yeah. like shifting, like some kind of dark entity that is shape shifting to like whatever. The cop got there like super quick. Yeah, well, he disappeared from inside the room, and all of a sudden he was outside the room. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. And our harbinger, or, or or the person that tells you what you need to do, was our the homeless guy outside when they first got to the hotel. But you, you couldn't know, make they, sense of what he was saying. Well, they didn't. They didn't show the subtitles. I think on purpose because yeah. they they um, both the husband and wife were looking at him like, you know, what are you saying? I don't understand. You know, hey, what can we do for you? And you know, the first thing they do when they get to the the concierge guy is they're like, oh yeah, some guy harassed us. So my family. I should have put subtitles on for this one. Not for the guy. Yeah, I, I, thought that, the I, yeah, I thought it was more effective with the homeless guy coming out there. And then, you know, he was able to speak their language later in the movie to the wife of like, you know, right. you, you speak your truth. The daylight will come or whatever it was. Right, 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 right. Exactly. But yeah, I think you're right. It, it's That was a good word to describe him as like a harbinger. Yeah. Like he, he appears to be a threatening figure, but he's actually there to help. But his, mm -hmm. his appearance is so jarring the way he just suddenly kind of comes up to them that it's it's more startling than anything. And they just want to get away. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, some people look at it as jarring. I mean, to me, he was a very meek individual. He he, he was a person that, that was on crutches, like he had yeah. dropped a crutch. And that's, that's never really came attention. off aggressively or anything. To be honest. Never just. He just no, startled him. And like came, you said, his appearance, he, he's homeless. Yeah, he came he came at them as a, you know, just just looking at them, you know. He's known he's, as the displaced man in the cast. Oh, yeah, it's an interesting way to interesting way to def, de, describe displaced man. Yeah. Um yeah, which is interesting because I was thinking about the idea of displacement itself and I don't think this was like a main theme of the film. Um, it was kind of like an underlying theme, but it's it's not made a huge deal of that they're immigrants, but it does, it is relevant. It does come into play, though. It comes up, but it's not like, you know, the main focus of the film. But I do think that it's it's relevant here because I think it adds the fact that they are living in a country that is not their home mm -hmm. um, probably adds to their sense of unease yeah. and sense of, like being threatened. Like it, I they're just place for the night too, because they're in the hotel. Right, they're not at home, and so I was trying to imagine: what if I were in a foreign country um, that's not my home, but it's you know my new home, and I'm being approached by strangers in the middle of the night, or a police officer who I don't know if they're going to believe what I'm saying, or they're going to hear my accent. Are they going to treat me differently? I'm not white, or I'm not the same race as the people in yeah. this in country. Um, what's that going to do? I think that that probably heightens the the sense of fear for these people, maybe more so than if they had been, you know, native, not Native Americans, but American-born people. Um, they didn't lean on that, though, and I felt like that definitely helps the film. I agree. I agree. Like, I, I, you're, you're right. It's there, but it wasn't like, oh, here comes White Cop, you know? Like, it was more like he played a character. It was, you know, the funny business was going on. And... <laughs> Yeah, he has to hold the baby too. I was kind of like, "Oh my god, what are they going to do?" With the baby? Here's the thing with me is that as silly as his voice was, that you know, it sounded so cartoony. 
Um, you know, they didn't lean into that as far as, you know, racism. He actually asked some valid questions. So, so what you're telling me is that somebody came and knocked on your door, but you never saw that person. So that perfectly valid question of like, you know, what, what do you, I, I, and, and he said it, he's like, I just deal with the facts, you know, did you see this person? Can you give me a description? I, you know, I expounded upon that as far as my watching is, what yeah and then all of a sudden it you know it did a big it did a big turn that he's like you need you know, a ghost hunter and that freaking knock was unbelievably jarring because it was yeah. like so loud and so aggressive oh yeah. that's probably my partner you better go let him in it's the same cop and the other guy disappeared and you're like whoa that was a that was a turn yeah that moment, even though I kind of suspected it was coming, that moment really kind of made my heart stop for a second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't expect it at all. I, you know, I was expecting maybe the, the, the doorman or the concierge of the, of the freaking hotel, you know, just coming up there because they had tried to call him because you didn't see him the rest of the movie. You didn't see him at all. And um, it was just like, oh, OK. So, so it, you know, caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, going back in the beginning of the film, I kind of got, um, like, for just a split second, sort of, like, invitation vibes with, like, the whole dinner party. And, like, they seemed like there was something going on. Like, the guy, um, Farhad, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, there seemed like there was more going on with that character. They don't, I don't feel like in the, the film, I don't think they ever really go back to him as much, you know, he calls him, Fabak calls him later. But he made, yeah. he, he plays a major part in the plot, like like towards the end of the movie, yeah. because it's just like, you know, you just, you, you, you're never going to get out of there, you know. You, and he keeps yeah, repeating, he it, but, yeah, you're never There's getting no out. out. You're never getting out. You're never getting out. Basically, saying, admit your truth, and then you can get out because the you know, I, oh fuck, I'm gonna ruin it. Sorry, guys. Um, so the wife admits that she had an abortion. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she admit that, uh, admitted she had an abortion, which caused, you know, the lights Power to come back on. Yeah, the, the lights came he back on. He needed to get outside. Yeah, but, like, he needed to admit, admit his truth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know. his truth was, that was a mistress? Yes, he'd had a mistress, and my understanding was that he kind of, like, once his wife came to the states he kind of dropped her and then yeah. i i think she committed suicide i don't okay. i think he killed her i think but she was in the bathtub with her wrist slit right he saw that but i mean like if you when you saw her on the autopsy table or like in the in the morgue she had she had uh bruises around her neck because that's yeah, who, who we saw in the body bag she could have had that from hanging herself hmm. i must have really overlooked that, that dang I, had, I, I, I don't just know. Really this, this, the, the this movie's friends. yeah, this movie's fucking weird. I mean, it was just like like so much up for interpretation. I was just it's like funny because I didn't know that. Did they ever actually come out and say that that was his mistress? No. Well, no, but doing, we, right? when we see the the apparition of Sophia, she's kind yeah. of she's kind of wailing in a ghosty way, and she's like, so, "You said you loved me. Why didn't you leave your oh, wife?" Did say, okay. But didn't oh, she, she say you say did this okay. to me? I didn't hear she, that. She I said thought he, she was a victim I that he was with his car at some point. Right? And that's why they had the whole thing with the cat, like him running something over 
And I thought maybe he had guilt about it, right? And like, then the cop mentions it later that he had a daughter who died, right? And she was hit by a car. Yeah, he, he, so it came he did. up a couple of times. So I was like, it's. I don't think I'm right at all, but that's just kind of where my mind was going when I was first watching because they didn't say that she was a mistress. Dude, I'm so hit. confused. I'm so. I love you. Think, I, I was like, holy shit, did he like hit somebody, and that's his secret? Like he's keeping. I I didn't I didn't get that at all to be honest with you my, my interpretation was he'd had a mistress he kind of dropped yeah, he her his wife came and then she in her you know grief killed herself and he's riddled with guilt and so that's so when she says you did this to me I took that indirectly like you spurning me caused me to spiral downward and like you know kill myself and, that's and, how and, it. I don't know if that's what the filmmaker intended but. Jacqueline, I agree with you 100%, but I'm also going to go something that Heidelberg said is what the cop said is that, you know, I lost a daughter because of a car accident or, or she got ran over thinking, by a like, car. Oh, shit, is this cop supposed to be the actual dad of the... Uh, what about the concierge the guy? playing on that? Well, he, he goes, like, he he did the most, like, like sadistic conversation. You know, I saw, I saw RFK get assassinated. I saw JFK get assassinated. And it progresses, and he's like... The worst thing is watching a child get yeah. killed. So I and thought they were being pursued by death once they went into the hotel when they showed like the clouded figure and stuff like that. And then when he started saying stuff like that, I was like, is he supposed to be death or? Well, and that's what I he thought. Was around because, at all those times. Well, and again, the daughter, like their daughter, their their young child, their newborn, never died. And and like that, nobody I, wants I, to I harm it. Even the cop. I, yeah, I thought that's that's where it was leading to, though, and yeah. it never happened. And it was just I like, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Jacqueline. I, I'm just, I'm so confused right now. <laughs> My mind is like, I I guess I I thought that those types of remarks, the remark about what of a child dying from the concierge, and the remark about the police officer's daughter dying, I I interpreted those as just like kind of vague like intended to create a vague sense of being threatened because they do have their baby with them. Um, I didn't necessarily connect those to anything. I wasn't sure what to make of those comments, to be honest with you, but. Um, maybe they're supposed to be like, these are people's daughters, right? And then like the woman who he, you know, turned, um, you know, basically turned on when his wife came mm -hmm. um, and she killed herself. Maybe like she was somebody's daughter, so. I don't know, maybe that was what it was supposed to signify for him or something. Yeah. It just definitely did seem like a theme that they went with a little bit. And there was the, the cat that got ran over, which is the same creature, I feel like, as the hooded thing. It's a different form, right? Well, you did well, see the Yeah, you saw the cat mangled in the, in the, in the crater. Yeah, in the, later, later when he lures him downstairs. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Okay. That was the cat in the, in the cradle. He thought it was the baby for a minute, and then it okay. was the cat. All right. I wasn't sure about that. It just looked like a bloody mess to me. I wasn't sure what it was, but no, it was a cat basically because it was missing from the scene where he ran it over. I almost kind of interpreted the cat as symbolizing the truth, like this truth that kind of follows them around everywhere that they can't escape. And it's sort of just yeah. looming, looming near them at all times. Well, the wife, the wife sees it when she realizes that she needs to give her truth because that's when she actually sees the cat. Yeah, um, you know okay. this. The, the the main character sees sees this cat. You know, after apparently they hit it, because he he hears the cat. 
the one thing I love about him pursuing the cat into the basement was how they mixed the baby sounds, the baby crying with the cat. And it was, it sounded almost exactly the same. The, just the, the, the sound editing, editing on this was so fantastic. I mean, and, and so was the score. The score just yeah. like, made me feel. That's amazing. one of my remarks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So an interesting trivia fact, not about this movie, but about cats. <laughs> is At that... the Winter Garden Theater? What? I'm talking about the musical. Oh, my God. I laughed. I cried. It was better than Cats. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, An interesting fact about felines is that they apparently evolved over time so that their vocalizations would sound like human babies. And this happened over years of domestication so that their human companions would pay attention to them mm-hmm. it's like a way to to get the attention That's of their crazy. and so also, i'm not positive but i i was looking up a little bit it looked like um cats are were seen as uh evil in certain parts of like persian culture really yeah that's interesting well i'll make a mental <laughs> note of that file that away under persian I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the vibe, and maybe that's. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure it's true, but I didn't get that vibe that the cat was evil. I got the cat well, was, was, was 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 like the, uh, you know, quadpedal entity that was like also trying to be the harbinger of the movie, just like telling you, you know, this is where you're wrong. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I didn't get that at all. I I got the cat. Being apparently run over, but you didn't see anything, you know, because he told his yeah, wife. Because around the same time as the hooded figure. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, to me, not much. They're one and the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, if if I'm right that the cat represents the truth, which I don't know if I'm right or not, but if the cat represents the truth, that's kind of just always there. I mean, the truth in itself is neither inherently good or bad right it's just the truth it is what it is it's the truth um but the consequences of the truth to these people seem threatening um that that's like i think where a lot of their fear is coming from is if i reveal the truth to my Mm -hmm. what are those consequences going to be it could destroy my life right so so netta is afraid if i if i reveal the truth to Babak, is this going to destroy our marriage? Is he yeah. going to hate me? And if he and he's probably thinking, if I reveal the truth about my infidelity to Net, uh, Netta, is that going to destroy my life? And so I think the cat might seem threatening because of what they're afraid of, but the truth itself is neither good nor evil. Mm. Just that. I just I I I I don't dis I, I don't agree with that. I, I I think the truth will set you free. I think that's the, I think that really is the the theme of the movie is that, you know, regardless of, of what you've done, yes, your truth is evil, but the truth coming out is allowing you to escape what you've been trapped, the wall you built inside yourself, you know, because, you know, it, it was a perfect example like of- a hotel. Yeah, like well, exactly. But like Netta, she admitted that she had an abortion because she was so afraid that her husband wasn't coming home. She's like, yeah, just, she I, I, I can't raise this child by myself. 
And, you know, my guilt, my, my truth is that we could have had a son that was a big brother to this sister because the ghost of this boy was going around. Let me just, let me just play with my sister. Let me just hold my sister. And all of a sudden she said it, lights came on. She had nothing else going on. She got mm -hmm. stabbed because this guy was holding on like, like, like such a barren of, of what his truth was. His wall was so built in that he still had these visions of this woman, whoever committed suicide or he killed whatever it was. Your interpretation is he stabbed his wife. Mm -hmm. There was a subplot in my mind where she had an affair with Farad. And the baby maybe wasn't even. That's what I thought. But but then again, it wasn't because, I mean, at the very end, you know, he 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 saw a picture. Uh, he saw a painting of of somebody looking in the mirror, but that, that his image was was looking away from the image or, or the person yeah. that was looking in yeah. the mirror. And that's exactly what happened at the very it end. Turned his it movie. back on him. Exactly. Yeah. Like his conscience. He became his that conscience. Painting. His conscience, his 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 morality turned his back on him. He's just like, screw you, I'm done. Because you now, in the beginning, it. he doesn't see his own uh, reflection from it either. There are quite a few scenes with mirrors in this yeah. movie. Um, like he Neta, didn't want to face himself. Right. So some of them are Netta, but most of them are Babak. And I think that that sort of represents like an unwillingness or an inability to reckon with himself. Well, he won't at the end. No, and he, that's his... That's she his has, he downfall. will not. And then it turns back, it's like, it's going to just keep going. He's there for as long as he won't, you know? Yeah. So and what happens with her, is my question. Is she freed? Was she like, how does that work? I don't know. I don't know, maybe... Okay, because he is still? That's fun to imagine. Like, maybe she's able to escape from the hotel somehow because her psyche has been, like, cleared. Or I don't know, maybe she's trapped there with him because they're married and they're like their secrets intertwined with each other. I don't know. What if know. they crash the car instead of running over a cat and they've just been in like a coma together? It could have been interpreted that way. The way I interpreted it is that everybody's Netta, caring for the baby because the no, baby's Netta was free because the baby was sleeping peacefully next to her. She was sleeping peacefully. He got up. And, you know, he was like, had all this anxiety because he had this dream of seeing his mistress in a body bag. He saw his wife getting wheeled away somewhere, all of a sudden disappeared after she got stabbed in the stomach by him. Yeah. And he woke up and he's just like, oh, wait, hold on. That was all just a dream. But it wasn't just a dream because it was just he was splashing water on his face. And God damn it. If, if these fucking mirror tricks don't like, like, like screw me, just like, like, give me that shock value of when you turn around and that, that, that image is still the same way. And it was such a slow shot that like the pan around and he's just like, Oh shit, that thing was, is still looking at me. And the way he turned around to that, like to me, yeah, I, I guess he was stuck in some sort of purgatory, but like his wife and his child were free. At ease. They, were, they were sleeping peacefully. Well, the daughter's he... innocent. John, no, I think exactly. you're right. I yeah, think that makes exactly. a lot of sense. Um, yeah, they were sleeping peacefully, but he can't sleep. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like this whole movie is like a metaphor for those times, and we've all had them, where something is eating away at you. You know you've done something that you shouldn't have, 
uh, you feel guilt about it. And I think guilt is maybe the worst emotion. Um, but like, I mean, have you guys had those nights where you're lying awake because you're feeling guilty about something and you just can't let yeah. it go? I think this whole movie is a metaphor for that feeling. And he can't, he still can't sleep. He wakes up from this dream. I almost, it's not, I mean, it's not really a dream. I almost kind of, in, I almost kind of read that as like um, an Ebenezer Scrooge kind of moment where it's like, it's kind of giving him another chance. Yeah. And Groundhog and Day. So, yeah, but he doesn't take it. Um, no, no I, I and I agree with that because it's like, like, like you look at the time. So when does shit start picking up in this movie? It's like three oh three in the morning, or whatever mm-hmm. the time was. Mm-hmm. Is that's when things started happening. So, mm-hmm. so, so the way I look at it is, I don't know if people are dead or alive or or whatever because it was there were so many kind of like ping pong things off the wall of what were going on. But this guy, I, I think the overall theme is this guy just had like just so much guilt in his life of what he did. And he's not willing to admit it that it's just he can't let it go. So maybe yeah. he's stuck in the time loop. Maybe it's a maybe it's a purgatory. Maybe it's something this, something that. But I mean, you know, these these vivid images that came out at us. You know, of him having to run around with his wife and holding the baby. And I'll tell you right now, they were loving parents. I love that. I love the fact that they were just like so supportive of this baby. And, you know, I I think it was a real baby pretty much through the whole movie. Because there there were shots where the baby's just sleeping. And it it was a real baby. I'm sure there were shots where they had to hold a fake baby and kind of hold it away from the camera. But it was just the cinematography on this movie just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been done on a huge budget. No, it was pretty, no, it, 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 it didn't. They achieved like a good amount with what they had. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the hotel. You know, they don't show a ton of it, but what they do use, I feel like it sets an atmosphere yeah. that I thought carried through for most of the movie. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And somebody mentioned um, The Shining earlier and how there are some similarities, like certain moments, like images or shots that seem similar to The Shining. I saw that too, but I also, I don't, like, I wouldn't necessarily automatically compare this film to The Shining in terms of, like, all the themes and stuff. But I do think there was some visual imagery that, you know, sort of echoed things that we see in the shining um, i said but- i i said that jacqueline i i i just would you know, a- to me to to the shots were very similar to the shining i mean it, like those like real the way the the hallway stretches out you know mm-hmm. what I mean? you know as this guy's going through like his mental thing there's like a descent into madness i feel like sort of a little bit yeah yeah i mean that's very too. similar yeah with jack's character yeah yeah, I agree. One one thing I do know about this film, I, I w- was reading some interviews with the director, and um, one thing that I learned was that the way the screenplay was originally written, it was meant to take place in Iran at, at somebody's home, at uh, um, Babak and Netta's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the rewriting process, they actually moved it to the US and they moved it to a hotel. So it wasn't originally intended to be at a hotel. So that's not necessarily like a fundamental key element to the story. It just kind of happens to, they happen to become that. Um, But the reason they moved it to a hotel was that they wanted it to be in a place that felt transient. 
because this ordeal that they're going through is a transient experience. Um, it's like something that if they choose to, they can get out of and return to their normal lives. So they wanted them to be, here we go again with that theme of displacement. They wanted them, the, um, the director wanted them to be displaced from the place that was like their home. He wanted them to be in some place that was temporary. So for whatever that's worth. Well, that makes sense because like the cop had mentioned, he, 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 was, he had said that um, he, when he came up there, he was like, well, you guys are the only guests in the hotel. So, I mean, it was an info dump on you and maybe that explained that away where it was just, okay, so you guys are all by yourself here. I just came up here because you called me saying somebody was, was harassing, you know, asking the questions of what they look like, who were they, you know, somebody knocked on your door, somebody's harassing you. And so I'm going to come up here and do my duty, but you, you can't explain anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I also wanted to say something about the baby. John, you were talking about the baby and how it seemed real and everything. For me, as somebody who has a an infant right now and two other children, um, it really, I don't know if this connected for you guys at all, but for me, like just the fact that they had a baby with them totally heightened the tension and feeling of trepidation for me because for a lot of reasons one because when you have a baby with you you are so much more vulnerable yeah. um, and aware of danger like that's something that has totally changed in my personality like if my kids are with me everywhere I, go, I am constantly scanning for Terminator. danger. Like, where exactly i'm like the term i'm like where could there be some danger sketchy dude sketchy dude well yeah i mean yeah, it's free exit <laughs> Well, kind of, yeah. yeah like, why not? For like, uh, is there anybody, is there any person here who might be a threat to my child? Is there any place my child could fall down? Or is there anything sharp mm -hmm. in this room where my kid could yeah. stab me? Um, I don't stop and like chat with strangers when I'm out in public the way I, I tend to, I'm a chatty person in, you know, my, when I'm out in public, I like to just chat with strangers. I don't do that when my kids are with me. I don't like give money to homeless people when I'm with my kids. Um, and so I'm just so much more aware of potential danger. The other thing logistically is that if there were to be danger, when you have a baby with you, you are so physically limited, like, cause you're carrying a baby. You don't have your full physical capacity. Like you can't run away as fast if you need you to be run quiet away. if you're trying to hide. Right. Exactly. Like that reminds me of a quiet place when they have the baby in the box. Yeah, that's you can't one of the be quiet. So intense. Oh, you can't hide if you need to. You can't ensure that you're going to be quiet. You can't run away fast. You're carrying something heavy. You don't have full use of your hands if you needed to use a weapon. Um, I was just, I was really, really aware of how much more danger they were in just because the baby was with them. They were so much more vulnerable. Like I really felt that. So I just wanted to point that out. It added to the tension for me too. I mean, again, not being a parent and understanding that you are a parent of three, you know, I understand that, that dichotomy of being able to, you know, what am I going to be able to do? You know, I've got a machete in my right hand. I've got my child in my left hand. And I've got my two other children, like right behind my leg. Give your child the machete and then swing your child <laughs> around. Obviously that's what you oh do. My, my child would like immediately decapitate me by accident. Like he's a spaz. <laughs> Parental advice from Hyderabad. There you go. 
Give your we, child a machete. You guys see my kids? They're, they're <laughs> so, so, so here's our new segment is like parental advice from Hyderabad. <laughs> okay. Right. Is that before or after the reach around? Oh, no. oh my it's, God. How do you, how do, how do you survive this horror movie? Parental advice from Hyderabad. Exactly. <laughs> Listen up, kitties. Survival time. Boys. When mommy boys. gives you a when mommy gives you a butcher knife, do not stab her in the leg. Stab that guy that's in a William Shatner mask. Absolutely. Oh, for All heaven's sake! Right, so back to the movie. Back on topic. <laughs> uh, I I think the portrayal of like a a a couple, a married couple with with issues and. Um, you know, and a newborn child. I think that they pulled that off really well in this movie. And yeah. like you said, it adds the tension, it adds to the drama. It um, the baby's adorable. I mean, even the oh my god! Uh, every even, time I saw even on the screen, possible I was entities just... that come in contact with the baby, they seem to want to see the baby or care for the babies. Yeah, like for me, every time I saw her on screen and, and she was just sitting there smiling and laughing, I was just like, oh yeah. The really, cute. really cute baby um but i agree with you hydroberg like i think that the both the the writing in the movie and the acting performance by uh, the actors who played netta and babak yeah that netta was, was so really good. good their tension was really uncomfortable yeah. like i mean starting from the get-go when they were at that dinner party and kind of you know just making little remarks to each other and then when they were really kind of sniping at each other in the car uh, trying to get home, um, I really felt that. Well, he tension. was just so arrogant, and they're like, "I'm gonna drive drunk with my child in the car." Like, are you kidding me? Let your <laughs> wife drive. Who cares? What this guy, this guy was such a piece He's of not shit. That like throughout character. the movie, I, I was just like, I, I didn't attach myself to him. I saw, I saw glimpses of 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 humanity with him, but he was like, like every every other scene, it would he would show like a shittier side of himself. I don't know. He was like definitely. He was being like pushed to the limit, you know, and he was like cracking. But that, but uh, how would you get pushed to the limit unless you're a, yeah, uh, Nick or Heiserberg? Oh, I, th yeah. I, I think you're a decent individual. Jacqueline, you're a decent individual. I'm a decent individual. But this guy was just like, he never, like, like there was like a well, certain that's what the movie's level. about. It's about his, like, he has no empathy, really. Right, right. When you come down to humility, humility, you have to come under the, uh, under this line. And he never did that. And it was just yeah. like, like he would always like come down and like, okay, my level of humility is like, nope, nope, I would come back up. You know, he'd be some macho asshole, and it's just like, you know, take care His of your wife family. Wife was the voice of reason, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree that he was. Um, arrogant. I agree that he was um, kind of, uh, what's the word I need? Combative with her. Yeah. But I, I think I had a little more sympathy for him. I, I don't want to necessarily just dismiss him as a piece of shit. No, I don't um, think he was a total piece of shit. I, I agree he was, he behaved in some chauvinistic ways. Um, but I, I, I think that I have to imagine that there was a time when this couple was really happy together. Uh, and I, I, I feel that I have to imagine that about any couple, no matter how badly their relationship has deteriorated. There was a time when they were happy, when they got together and there were things that they loved about each other. And she was not a saint in this either. She's made her mistakes. And she also had some like snipey tone of voice 
with him and was kind of ordering him around. He accused her of nagging. Um, you know, they were, they were sniping at each other. And we also know that he had this very painful toothache uh, from the very beginning of the film that yeah, he's can be excruciating. And I, I, I feel that when somebody's in physical pain, that's constant. I think it's like exhausting it is. And, and it can be really, it can really drive you to the edge of your patience at, at all times. I think, um, I mean, it can really, I think pain can really change who you are like physically and emotionally. I get um, that. Was, I get, it, I, I, was that true pain or was that some, was that his guilt like manifesting or what was well, yeah, that? Yeah, I, I definitely think that was like a manifestation of his guilt for sure. But even if something is psychosomatic, that doesn't mean it's not real, right? Like you still, well, you're feeling it for whatever reason. Which means that at the end of the movie, because he like, he, he felt this tooth almost like, like his pain was gone, right? He, yeah, like, yeah. like, like he, he rubbed his face like, Wait, hold on. It's kind of gone. And you know, he's just he's splashing water on his face, and that's when, like, you had the mirror turn thing. No, this guy was a piece of shit. This guy, okay. this guy, uh, you know, he, he wasn't there for his wife. Okay, so again, th this woman didn't know if her husband was going to be with him, so she had an abortion. Okay, so well, there are aspects you, that you don't know not, about not to get political, but whatever she decided to do with her body. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. In the United and, States, and, she and, can. And she, she, it was a guilt thing for her. When she admitted it, lights came on. Illuminate. Right? But here's the thing. When she revealed the secret to him, he didn't say, how could you have an abortion? Yeah, he didn't actually. He didn't. He, he didn't at all. He, that's, that's my point. Is it that, you know, again, you know, you... Like, like like a supportive man would have been like, I am so sorry I was not there for you. I, I mean, guess I'm, I'm giving him credit for not being upset about yeah, he didn't come down on it. <laughs> well, why, why, why would he be upset? He was gone. Because that was his son. I get that. But he was gone. There. She, she felt that. left alone. Yeah, but that wasn't her decision to make entirely on her own. Is whoa, what whoa, he whoa. Could well, say. We're, not, we're not getting That's political. what he could say, I'm saying. I get That's that. Go ahead, but I think I think the I think the the main offense here is not like what these two people did. I think the main offense is like that they kept it a secret, that they lied. That's the, yes, that's exactly right. The thing is, is that when that was revealed, he did not reveal his truth. Uh, yeah, she she asked him flat out. So I revealed my truth, and this guy said that when the truth it comes out, the daylight comes on. Yeah. yeah. So this guy's not a piece of shit. I mean, it's just like I don't see him as an entire. Like I get what you're saying. He definitely has tendencies, but I do feel like he's not. I don't know. He's a lot of the things that he's done wrong, like are commonplace in men. Period. Well, I don't want to defend that. Stubbornness to admit his not not the infidelity I'm talking about. I, yeah, I know. I mean, that, but that's a really shitty thing to do, but Absolutely. I don't think that makes him entirely a shitty person. But like you said, like, I, I don't see him as a total asshole of the entire movie. I don't know. Like, I, I definitely think he's not a very likable guy, though. I, I, I think he does some things that are, that are very heroic, but not a lot. I mean, you know, he's... <laughs> no, I agree. I think, I think he, he fails. He's, he's, he, like, falls down as a man. Yeah, he, he, he totally does. But the thing is, is like, like 
He says, grab the baby. We're going upstairs. So, so the wife has to carry the baby, which, uh, okay, that's fine. But like, if you're a heroic man, carry the baby and be able to do that. And, and, you know, don't tell your wife to carry the baby. If, if you're not a piece of shit and you're trying to protect your family, you're going to protect your daughter. You're going to protect your wife. Be with me. He's running in front of her while the wife is carrying the baby. I mean, well, those, are, those, are, those are little nuances. He can defend them better if he doesn't have the baby. In his hand. Oh, if I were God. if I were carrying my baby and and my husband and I were in danger, I would not let him hold the baby. I, I would insist on carrying the baby myself personally. Oh, okay, that's let the man you know like go in front, take the brunt of the attack or whatever. Okay. Two hands to defend. That's fair. That's totally fair. I just saw him as as kind of a coward. I mean, I just well, yeah. he's not gonna. Yeah, he's not like the best guy. No, he's cowardly. Sure. He's flawed. He's done some terrible things. I just don't know if I can call him a total piece of shit. Maybe it just sounds really harsh. Yeah, I think he's a very flawed human. I think um, he's gonna go through it at this hotel until he decides not to be that person, or he's never getting out. Yeah, I, th I think it could be sort of a Groundhog Day situation. I don't yeah. know. But um, but no, I, he definitely makes the wrong choice. He, he's given an opportunity that he fails to, to take. Um, and I think that's really, I think that's like the tragedy of this movie. That's the biggest point right there. That's the biggest point I wanted to make is that to be a man, admit to your mistakes or be, yeah. be a human being, admit to your mistakes. Because the wife was totally like, listen, this is what I did. They didn't, you know, they didn't communicate about it. She could do whatever she wants with her body, but she also had a feeling about this and it wasn't, it wasn't being malicious. She wasn't trying to be malicious about this. Him having an affair, which was insinuated throughout the movie was very malicious uh, on his part. Like, like he was just, you know, okay, I'm going to be a predator. I'm married. Not to say he knew that he was going to have a child, but I'm married, so I'm going to, uh, you know, go pursue other options. Yeah, he used mm -hmm. their distance as a, a reasoning for that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, I can't see my wife and, you know, I have needs and obviously, you know, he cheated. When I'm in a relationship, I don't pursue other things. Just like they had distance, she couldn't see him and she made a decision based on that because... She was scared, you know. No, exactly right. But the thing but is, what the future would hold if she doesn't come back? Us all being in relationships, it was you don't pursue other things to, yeah. you know, no. just because you're away or, right. or you know something else is going. No, seriously, yeah, it's, not I, a green, like, it's not a yeah. It's it's not a green it, light. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for for a man. It's not acceptable for a woman to pursue these other things. So, like to me, this guy got what he deserved. If he's in purgatory, fuck him. I just hope she's not trapped with him. She didn't seem that way. She seemed very peaceful with yeah, the baby. Yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, John, I think that's a good point you made earlier. Like, I think that she, because she and the baby are sleeping peacefully, I think she's like, she's out of the nightmare. Yeah. Somehow. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Well, any other major points that we want to make before we give this thing our ratings? That mirror scene fucked me up, though. That was pretty cool. I like that. I, I, I like that uh, cinematography. Oh, that. I have that an one. issue. It's part of my review is uh, the, the tattoos. 
What do you mm -hmm. think the the meaning is of the tattoos? And when they show hers later, when she's at ease, her tattoo is faded. No, her, yeah. her tattoo's gone. It's not totally gone, but it's it's definitely faded, like really bad. Wow, you guys oh, noticed details that I totally missed, but um... yeah. So the <laughs> tattoos were like a thing. We never saw them get them though, right? Like it was just like yep. they had them. Yeah, so at first I was wondering if this was, like she mentions, do you think it's a curse? And That's what so I, I thought. Because they had just gotten them that day. And I thought, oh my god, She might have put oh, them god. on him. It was like her idea. Because he was going through certain things that she wasn't at first in the movie. Until later you find out that she is seeing things. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the more I thought about it, I kind of thought, well, maybe this particular detail isn't as like literal as I think it is. And it's not like literally responsible for anything or like causes anything that happens. I almost, I kind of think maybe it's more just symbolic of like the, the tattoos were their tattoos, grief. The tattoos are she indelible. Let go of hers. Yeah. The tattoos are indelible. Just like the truth, like their past, yeah. the past is indelible, right? Like it never goes yeah. away. Um, but maybe like the, the pain and like, suffering of holding that in can lessen or fade once you you know come forth and yeah. and go of that you Confront know it, let it go. yeah so i i Move took it well more than anything else I, I didn't think it was like literally related to anything that happened in the film that was just me yeah i thought it was a tattoo of, uh, of them just being connected with or with their um unspoken truths um, you know, yeah. that, or, or or the evils in their in their mind or their their souls. And she let go. Yeah, she did. And his was like still irritated and red. Yeah, I mean, in Hyderberg, I mean, you know, like when you get a tattoo, it gets red after a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not connected to anything. But I think that that was the symbolism of their, you know, their their untruths, their past. Yeah, yeah, in their lives that or uh, being together is that they were connected because they were the same exact tattoo, but they had their um their secrets. Actually, it's not the the tattoos are not identical. Um, they fit together. If you'll notice, they're like hers is like a semicircle with like a yeah. small circle cut out. And, and then his, his semicircle, semicircle with, uh, like the full enough. circle, so that if you put them together, they would form a complete design, but they're not identical. Oh, true, it's true, but I mean, it, it, it has the same idea, yeah. And it's just that's their falsehoods or whatever, yeah. I don't know, Jacqueline. So, uh, you picked this effing movie, so uh, <laughs> what, what, what are we rating this thing? Well. I am going to go out on a limb and say that this is the best movie that I've watched this year. Mm -hmm. I think it was extremely cleverly written. I think that visually it was so atmospheric and unsettling and like it was such, it was so dark. Like the lighting was so dim almost everywhere. Yeah. And I was watching it late at night with all the lights turned off and it was really just getting to me like i was genuinely unsettled watching this movie um john i think you mentioned the sound design was the score superb. superb um i think the acting was exceptional i really was like 
engaged with these characters and totally like submerged in the story. I was not like kind of checking my phone or thinking about what else was going on. Um, even though the first half, like nothing really tremendous is happening, it's, but it's setting up, you know, their relationship and the environment in, in which they're finding themselves. Um, it's, it's just the sort of movie I like where it's not a full-blown supernatural thing where everything is sort of this cosmic horror and, you know, like definite ghosts and like evil spirits and demons and stuff. I mean, I like that stuff too, but it's not my favorite. And it wasn't just a straight up thriller where everything is totally reality-based. It's like, there's a little bit of bleed between the two. It's like mm -hmm. in the somehow where this is basically like, a reality-based situation a couple in a hotel room and something's threatening them and they have their baby but there are touches of the uncanny such as the mirror the the weird things with the mirrors and the um the bizarre concierge who just can't be totally real um, the knocking at the door the knocking at the door and then nobody's there uh, and one detail i wanted to mention this wasn't like an important I mean, it was an important moment. It wasn't like a key moment, but when he's on the phone with his friend and at first it sounds like it's the friend, but then it's like the friend is not saying the things you would expect your friend to say. And he starts repeating himself with, there's no way out. There's no way out. That shit is so scary to me. It was, so it really just it cut, like hit all my buttons. I'm going to give this nine out of 10 doppelgangers. Whoa, nice. I'm going, I I'm going. Yeah, you want to go next? Uh, I could. Uh, to me, the story was phenomenal. Um, I just, I, I was able to fall along the entire way. There were a lot of things that confused me. I mean, the, <laughs> some of the things, you know, the, the cop and the, the concierge's voice kind of threw me off a little bit because it almost felt cartoony. But I mean, the storyline just really held together really, really well. Um, I, I, the imagery this is like one of those movies i gotta watch again i absolutely have to watch this again because i know i miss some stuff um i love this movie i mean i thought this movie was freaking fantastic um i'm not i'm not gonna shit on this too much um you know i know i in our in our <laughs> our pre pre podcast stuff uh, I really love Possessor and, you know, maybe we'll release that on one day, but um, God, this movie was so good. It, it's got rewatchability re for sure. And you, you, and there's things you got to look out for. So I think I'm going to sit at with the acting, with the storyline, with everything that was going on. Uh, I'm going to give it eight out of 10 doppelgangers. Nice. <laughs> Rug on. <laughs> Hi, bro. What about you? Uh, I do like this movie. <clears throat> I like it for a lot of the same reasons. The cinematography, the sound design, the score, like it's all really well done. It's uh, the atmosphere in the hotel. Like I'm a big creepy hotels and stuff like that, like done properly. I like those settings. Those are cool settings. I know they're cliche, but they're, you can still do something with them, obviously. So yeah, uh, this movie and it just uh, like, I like the couple. I like the, you know, the foreign aspect of it, like living in America. I like the undertones, like we've all touched on um, the commentary that it has. Uh, just like 
being a couple like that, I could imagine like it's it's really portrayed really well. The uh, the aspect with the baby is really well done. It adds to the tension. Hydroberg, real quick. I, I did it throw you off that they mixed uh, Iranian with with uh, uh, American. Just like, at the very it, onset, because it, it seemed like just a straight Iranian movie. I did look it up, though, and I saw that it was a collaboration with, it was like produced through America and released because, through uh, yeah. IFC Midnight. And we didn't bring that up. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to cut off your But there was definitely more English than I anticipated. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off because, I mean, even at the party is that they had an American friend there that understood Iranian. Yeah, and she was dating an Iranian guy, so she was getting introduced to the culture, I felt like. But she also was speaking English, and they would speak yeah. English or, or Iranian back to her. But you know, it was kind of the mix of the. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought I that didn't bother me at all. I was just saying that. Sorry. No, no, it didn't bother me at all. Like I, I thought it was really good, especially when they cut back to I, when the couple speaks in Iranian. Yeah. You know, and then it makes sense because they're alone. Like that's what they're going to speak. That's what they're comfortable speaking. Right. I thought it was good the way it jumped back and forth. Yeah. All right. So what's um, the rate? HP. My rating, let's see here. Uh, the one thing I, my one critique is maybe like the, the, um, the chick that he saw the visions of, I wish they kind of maybe built on that a little bit in the beginning, like more, I guess you guys picked on it better than I did, picked up on it better than I did. But the fact that he cheated on his wife just never seemed like obvious until like he started having visions. Like I didn't know, you know, that's what was able to, I, that's why I was able to kind of pull that thread of like a different thread of maybe it was a guilt over, you know, a hit and run or something. Mm. Okay. But, um, other than that. Yeah, no, this is a good film. I would, uh, I like the atmosphere a lot. I like the production quality and the acting was phenomenal. It's very stylish. Um, I feel like it stumbles a little bit in the story, but you know what? Uh, uh, another viewing I haven't done yet, but hearing your guys' opinions kind of helped me. It was like a, a 1.0 viewing. And uh, it definitely bumped up my score, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight. Nice. Yeah. Eight out of ten doppelgangers or reflections. That's what I thought you were gonna go with. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun movie. I'm really glad you guys enjoyed it. I had never seen it before, so I didn't know what to expect either. It could have been garbage, but um, I'm glad that that was that it was a hit with all three of us. So, um, yeah, well, I think and I also think talking through it, it's just kind of like you see different aspects of that maybe you didn't catch from it. But again, I mean, for me, honestly, Jacqueline, it's just really one of those movies that you got to watch like maybe multiple times, you know, because it's yeah, you really need to watch next week's episode multiple times. Oh, for God's sake. Jesus. <laughs> oh, wait, this is my pick, right? Yeah. You guys ready for it? Wait, can I give you just like one trivia fact real quick about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did no, if you, if you have multiple. If you have multiple, give away. Trivia from one. Jacqueline. I only have one major trivia point to make, oh, and that oh. is um, that this movie, which was just released um, early this year, is the very first American-produced film that has been allowed to screen in Iran since the Iranian Revolution of 1979. Interesting. Yeah, and wow. so I guess... I guess the fact that it was like a co-production between the U.S. and Iran, I guess they really did things right. And, you know, um, you know, had a, at least somewhat of a diplomatic relationship with, uh, with the Iranian government that it was allowed to be screened. No other American yeah. been allowed to screen since. So how many years is that? Like 40, 
two years. Yeah. So that's, I think uh, that's pretty significant. I'm curious of what, what Iran thought of the movie or Iranian side of the movie. Do you know? I don't know. I yeah. don't really know the Iranians. Um, maybe I should <laughs> well, reach out to my birth father asking if he's seen it. <laughs> have you seen this maybe movie? Then would, maybe then he would answer me. But um, uh, I have one, for, I have one sort of, um, acquaintance who's Iranian and I don't know if she likes horror films or not but I can ask her you know she she lives in the U.S. though um she's she's not still there but she lives in the U.S. I'll say I'll say this about the movie is that it's not gory um you know very very little cursing and you see like no nudity so I mean I couldn't imagine yeah it's not offensive but I mean it's it's got a nice tension to it so it does I, I would definitely recommend a rewatch for you guys. I watched it twice and I kind of feel like I want to watch it a third time actually. Yeah. So I would, <laughs> I would recommend that. All I right. Feel, uh, what's your uh, movie pick for next week, brother? Well, I, I, uh, I texted my brother, Paul, who, by the way, we got to give a shout out. He created the, a cut, yeah, above, hor- a cut above horror review uh, graphic. So thank you to Paul. I texted him. If he uh, wanted to come on with us for next week, he he said, no, thank you. I'd rather not because he's shy. Um, so I told him that I would actually re- review a movie that he's been asking me to do for uh, a couple of years now. It's called uh, Zombievers. So we're elevating this thing. We're doing. We're, we're yeah, doing... we just did Raw last week as a French film. We did a Persian film. And now uh, we're doing Zombievers. Zombievers. Taking stuff <laughs> Fuck! I mean, why? Why did I agree to this? I, uh, honestly, I think it's good to have something more lighthearted. We got some, we need some variety. We need some variety up in here. I know. We we do. Plus, we have to give Paul some love because he did create our logo. Absolutely. He, char- he charges us zero dollars for it. So, you know, again, he's not going to be on with us next week. But I uh, won't. No, he won't. No, he's right. shy. He's a he, he's a shy motherfucker. So uh, he's not going to come on. He's a pussy, and I'm going to call him out right now. So um, can um, I uh, can I give a shout out to somebody? Absolutely, do it. I want to give a shout out to uh, Michael at Horror Apocalypse. Okay, uh, he supported us uh, recently a couple times, uh, and uh, he's a good guy. And uh, I think you should check out his uh, podcast and show him some love. So yes. shout out to Michael. Yes, he's a. Good- Horror Apocalypse, um, really Horror great podcast, show, yeah. and has been very supportive of us and given and us. And he would be a great stuff. guest, actually, as a fill-in for a movie like Beaver Zombie Beavers. He loves <laughs> Beaver Zombie. would be horror movies and zombies. Hydroberg, get a hold of Michael. Let's get him on next week. <laughs> See what he thinks about Zombie Beavers. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do. I can't think of anybody better to be on the show and help us talk or, about Zombie. Or exactly. like that, yeah. uh, I also want to plug the Instagram. Okay, do it. Uh, hold on, I'm new at this. It's a cut above dot horror underscore review. Jacqueline, yep. Twitter, Twitter. Our Twitter, our Twitter is at cut above horror, and you can also email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You've been or a busy well? bird on the Twitter le- recently. I, 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 saw, I saw that. Bird. Well done. Well done, Jacqueline. Uh, yeah, and we're also on Facebook. Uh, just look for a cut above horror review. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Episode number two. Next week, we're going elevated zombie beavers. Elevated horror. I like it. Go we're watch going- it. Zombie beavers. <laughs>
<laughs> and if we get Michael from Horror Apocalypse on, that would be the shit. If he's willing Let's to come it. on, that'd be awesome. Let's get him. Guys, have a great week. You, you too. It. See you later. He probably next owns week. the box set. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, he probably does. <laughs>